Welcome. This talk was recorded at Insight LA in Long Beach. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at InsightLA.org. It's great to see all of you today and to be with you. I haven't been here in a while, so it really feels good. Um, I've had a couple of days away on respite, and it's been lovely. Nice to be back. I just want to check in. Is there anybody here that's new to our group or here for the first time? If you'd like to say your name, and I'm, I apologize for the dings that you may hear. <laughs> uh, I'll fix that. Uh, but anybody new? No? Okay. Well, welcome again. Um, I was um, taking a walk on Saturday at the wetlands, the Bolsa Chica wetlands near, um, not too far from where I live. And uh, it was quite a windy day. So the wetlands, there weren't many people, but there were many, many, many birds. And there was a beautiful hawk hovering above me and um, all sorts of different ducks I've never seen before, different colors and varieties, and I could hear their sound and see the light of um, shimmering off of the water. And it was just one of these moments that are so sweet, where I could feel the stillness around me and the earth below me and um, this wonderful sense of peace, of, of love, emanating out of the stillness, but also emanating out of the love of this land, uh, everyone who fought for it, and I'll say more about that, and this wildlife around me, this beautiful wildlife, this land had been oil derricks for many, many years. And the story of the Bolsa Chica wetlands uh, has a lot to do with the topic of this talk, uh, when love meets fear. So um, when I came to this area many years ago, I think this, there's been a battle for 20 or 30 years, if not longer, between um, developers and uh, the oil industry and um, preservationists, people who want to preserve the wetlands, which are so critical to our the health of our oceans globally. Wetlands are extremely important, but they're also um, areas that uh, developers love to develop for, you know, ocean view, luxury homes, and also the oil industry has been there. And, and I was reflecting as walking on the wetlands that um, they're here out of the love of citizens, everyday people fighting for decades for them to be there. So there were lawsuits and fights and money, and it was a huge fight, a huge fight to preserve a wetland in this area. And a friend of mine tells a similar story which is uh, growing up in New England in a little beach town. And her family had a modest little cottage on the beach. On the beach. 
And she grew up with the love of the ocean and the love of the coastline and um, found out one day that developers were planning to build massive housing along this coastline and ruin the wetlands and uh, the natural beauty of this coastline. And she said she was swimming in the ocean and this love and sadness for what she had experienced all of her childhood would be gone. And this love of the ocean, of being with the water and the waves and absolute nature um, kind of met her fear and her anger of this development. And without thinking, she developed she just went right into activity and developed a committee and a commission and a group and a funding and fought and fought and organized. And she said she's terrified of public speaking, terrified of politics, terrified of legal things, terrified of raising money, terrified of talking to people. But within a very short period of time, there was a coalition that stopped the development of the shoreline. So this is the topic I'm kind of speaking around is this topic of when love meets fear. What happens when love meets fear? Her love of the ocean just surpassed her fear of public speaking and organizing and all the things she was so afraid to do and didn't think she could do. The same for the wetlands, the love of all the people around the ocean getting together, their love of the ocean stopped the big development and the oil companies, no small thing. And you see this uh, love meeting fear all the time. We see it right in front of our eyes. It's this miraculous nature. After um, the death of George Floyd this summer, um, we saw love meeting fear. I, I saw a post by my Buddhist teacher, Ruth King, uh, who said, um, well, if you, know, you wanna be an ally to black lives, if black lives matter, um, white people go out and protest and stand in front of black people because uh, the police are less likely to harm you if you're white, <laughs> you know, the sad truth of this country. And we saw thousands of people, many of them young uh, white folk, go out and stand on the front lines between the police and people of color as a wall of protection. And this is a beautiful example of love meeting fear. You know, love meeting fear. I, I love justice, I love peace, I love social justice. I want to see the well-being and safety of others. And that love can just defy the fear. Another example this year so clearly to me uh, was my own health organization. I almost get teary when I think of this. Um, at the height of the surge, uh, if you're working in healthcare, there's just this pivot where the more people that become ill with the virus, um, the more everyone has to team up, re, um, reorganize to meet the demand of what's happening. 
And I remember being in the hospital, uh, one of the hospitals where um, the surge was happening and there were tents and ambulances and, and floors and floors and floors of people coming in and um, being with them, the doctors and the nurses who were absolutely fearless. You can feel it, their love meeting fear. There was a fierce love and commitment of that medical staff. I could feel it in the conference room and you know some of the things that I was uh, partaking in, some of the meetings and things like that. I, you could feel the love of this medical staff. It wasn't um, just their job to meet the pandemic. Their heart met the pandemic. Their fierce heart met the pandemic. They suited up and showed up and everyone had to come and do their part. Um, so if you were in cardiology or you were in um, gas, you know, different parts of the organization, you were coming for the pandemic. So very, um, it's easy to see these examples of how this beautiful heart, this beautiful love uh, can meet fear. And when that happens, um, you know, the best of our being shows up for others as the most important thing. And the metta sutta that uh, from Buddhism describes this, it says, um, you know, that uh, we need to cultivate a limitless heart of goodwill, a boundless heart uh, for all throughout the cosmos in all its height, depth, and breadth, breadth, love that is untroubled and beyond hatred or enmity. And, um, you know, we can see this beautiful movement of boundless heart in some of these examples. But very often, we don't experience within our lives the boundlessness and the power of love. Very often, we're much more in touch with the fear and the negativity. Uh, and it's like we've got an anemic relationship to love. So I'll give you two more images and then explain this a little bit more uh, in depth. One is um, a story that I heard recently of a meditation teacher uh, in the, um, before we had uh, Kindle and cell phone. Um, so this is a before story. She um, would uh, go with a teaching team, a meditation teaching team to Europe to teach retreats for a month or two months, three months. And they would go as a team to different parts of Europe. And um, she had a trunk, a big trunk. And she'd fill it with all the books that she wanted to quote and all the things she wanted to study and read in order to teach. And that trunk was heavy and huge. And so her co-teachers would have to carry the trunk on the plane and to the hotel and transport it. And everybody's back was breaking, but she said she really needed her books. And back then that was the, if you needed a book, you had to carry books, right? And so this trunk went everywhere for years. 
uh, hurting everyone's back on the teaching team, but she couldn't let go of her books, you know? So hold that image and I'll get back to that image of the trunk filled with books. I understand I've never gone backpacking, but I understand that um, you can't carry too much. You have to have very little on your journey for backpacking or you're going to have a big backache, right? So when we travel, uh, we're when we carry this heavy load, it's difficult. It's the same thing with the travels of the heart. So that's one image. The second image to hold on to, and I'll come back again to this image, is a completely different one. One morning during the pandemic, I um, opened my front door and in my house, if you've been here and some of you have, there's a driveway to the left and a little pathway to the right, uh, made of stones and decomposed granite. And there was a spider um, who took up residence on the pathway. And I kind of knew this, a big spider, big brown spider. And um, that spider, he or she was building their web and liked to be there. So I would remember not to go the pathway, let the spider have it for a while. I'll take the driveway. And one morning I opened the door and there in the spider web was this beautiful, large monarch butterfly caught in the web and could not get out. It was really struggling and fighting to get out of the web. And um, I saw the monarch butterfly and ran inside to get something to help the butterfly. And I think I picked up a chopstick. <laughs> it's just the first thing that I saw was a chopstick. And I ran out and this um, woman had been walking with her little daughter and she stopped to see the butterfly. And I slowly started to, with the chopstick, try to help the butterfly to get out of the web. And it took me a while. I didn't want to touch the butterfly because I don't know if it's healthy to touch a butterfly. And I slowly got the butterfly out of the web without damaging the butterfly. It took me a while. And they were watching with rapt attention. And we were really hoping for this butterfly. And finally, the butterfly broke free. But what happened was after there's a moment or two after the butterfly broke free, that the butterfly was still fighting, didn't know that it was free. And it was still struggling and standing in the same place. And it took a couple of moments. And then there seemed to be this moment with the butterfly where it realized, oh, I'm free. You know, it finally felt the freedom. It didn't happen right away. And it slowly sauntered off um, out into the air, the atmosphere. Um, but it's almost like this butterfly is such a metaphor of how we become entangled in our web of fear and how this fear holds us back from feeling free, from feeling boundless, spacious, at ease, uh, ourself, the things we wanna do and experience, even the experience of love, that fear becomes like that web that we're caught in and we can't break free. 
And even when the conditions are right for us to experience that freedom, we're still caught. We still hold on and cling to the structures that keep us in fear. So um, here's a quote, and I will try to take this imagery and tie it together. Uh, Love bade me welcome, yet my soul drew back guilty of dust and sin. Uh, George Herbert. So love bade me welcome, yet my soul drew back guilty of dust and sin. There is a contemporary teacher, David Riccio, who says the modern repression, uh, today's repression is not sex, but love. We're more repressed around love than uh, some of the old repressions. And uh, he says, um, most of us have been afraid of love all our lives and we never fully realize it. Most of us have been afraid of love all our lives and have never fully realized it. And I think this is very true, that we um, have an anemic kind of relationship with love. And uh, love has become entangled or embroiled or muddied with all sorts of other objects that we cannot um, parcel out. Um, and mostly it becomes entangled with a defensive quality and with fear. So we have boxed love in and it's become a narrow experience. And we don't view love as this amazing life force, this power, this radiance, this unconditional love in our nature, a sweet unfolding presence and an energy, a healing energy um, that can hold pain and suffering and anxiety and fear and transform it. Even though the sages from all the spiritual paths, including the Buddha, tell us about the power of unconditional love. Um, we, with our contemporary thinking minds, we have complicated it. We've muddied it. We've tangled it up. So it's very hard for us often to experience on a daily basis this miraculous love, this boundless love that the Buddha talks about, this limitless love, this love that's like a power and a force. Um, it's like, what's that? What's that? We've cut ourselves off from it. Because love has gotten confused with all sorts of things. Um, so a lot of times um, we experience love almost all the time through an object, not from the qualities of the heart. We imbue it with the object. And I'll say a little bit more. But also... It's like we've given love like little boxes in our lives. Like in our culture, romantic love would be the number one. Somebody needs to 
to love me and I love somebody and I have value if they love me. You know, and then maybe we have a mother, child, father, child, paternal and family love. And we've got a box for that. And we have a very narcissistic kind of love in our culture. You know, love of the beautiful body, love of my looks, if I'm special, if I'm good enough, a love that really is more about meeting conditions than an unconditioned love. You know, if I'm worthy, you'll love me. If you're worthy, I'll love you. If you give me what I need, I'll love you. If I give you what you need, you'll love me. This is very conditional kind of love and it's value driven. So when we are um, reflecting, when, when consciously or unconsciously, we're holding love as a transaction, or whether I have value or you have value to me, um, we're limiting love. We're putting up a wall and we're boxing it in. We're actually limiting its um, unconditional power to heal in our lives. Uh, so love can get um, really torn, mixed up with value and lack of value, with guilt and shame over Am I lovable? If you get to know me and you see who I really am, will you love me? You know, um, shame and lack. And then, of course, we have an inner critic that likes to devalue us and tell us that we're not okay. So these are all the walls, the fences that block love. These are the things that shut love down. But if we just reflect on love as a quality of being, and you can close your eyes for a moment and just reflect on love as a quality of being. When you experience love, what does that feel like? Maybe you're in nature. Maybe you're with a pet. Maybe you're with people that you adore and adore you. Um, maybe you are reflecting on a spiritual figure or a writing or poetry. Or maybe you're just at that still point where the mind doesn't move and you just feel the heart. Some of us feel love in movement, in yoga, and moving our body, in our sexuality. Some of us in service, in giving. Where is it that your heart and mind meet love? Some of us feel love for our ancestors, for our Buddhist teachers, for our great teachers, for the great books we read. I feel love for uh, good food sometimes and great coffee. Where do you see love? Where do you allow love to fill your body? Where do you experience the heart? And when we experience love, you think about those moments where your heart, your mind, your body is filled with this sense of love, this felt sense of being, that love can be a beingness. It can be a presence that fills the body, that radiates out and fill the room. And some of the ways we describe this feeling of love is um, warmth, holding, support, 
expansion, energy, play, passion, compassion, intimacy, closeness, relatedness, release, wonder, reverence, sacredness, awe, grace, kindness, wisdom, warmth, relaxation, safety. Just that feeling of love itself can be like this warm bath or a warm blanket, a giant hug. That love is your nature. It's a natural state that you were born with. I mean, you feel this love. It's not just the object. It's also the subject. It's also within you. You are that love. So if you're looking at a beautiful sunset and you feel the love of the beautiful sky, or maybe you're watching these amazing birds we have like the egrets and the blue herons around here. It's so wonderful to see. Um, one of the things that we could do is to drop this, the object of the love and just to hold that for a moment. You know, and you really feel that love. Maybe it's your child or your grandchild or your grandparent. Sense and feel that love and then drop the object. What is the love that you're experiencing? How does it feel in the body, in the heart, in the mind? That radiant light, that lightness of being, that sweetness and joy. Sometimes it doesn't have boundaries or walls. It just feels like this radiant heart. And that love is you. That love is who you are. That is your essential nature. That's what you're born with. It's not just the sunset or the person you love or the animal or the object. It's the essential nature of your makeup. And um, we're anemic with it. We walk around without knowing it. We walk around thinking, comparing, analyzing, doing this is good, that's bad, I like this, I don't like this, planning, chatter, controlling. Um, and so uh, we, um, we don't have the access to this beautiful nature as much as we could. If we build a wall, which many of us do for protection, we also walk around, think about 
the suitcase that I had mentioned earlier filled with the books that they were dragging through Europe, right? Um, another obstacle to feeling this unconditional boundless love that the Buddha talked about, this radiant love, are the stories we build of hurt, rejection, pain and suffering. We hold on and carry this luggage or we build fences. I know that I definitely have built many fences to defend against love, self-love, unconditional love, unconditional love of others that come from old stories. We sometimes we carry them around and we don't even know that they're there, but they're there blocking this radiance of the heart. If we build a wall, nothing gets close. And the walls we build to keep love out will also keep fear in. The walls we erect to keep ourselves safe are also the walls that keep us from being loved. So what is it that we're dragging around that blocks us from this radiant love, from this beautiful love that is really we're inherent. It's from the day we're born, it's there. So uh, some of us are protecting against uh, rejection. You know, if you get close, you'll reject me. If I, if I let you close, you'll reject me, right? If I let you close, you'll reject me. I will get pushed away. You will see the unworthiness. And then we believe the unworthiness. For others, it's the abandonment. You know, if I get it, I will lose it. And even more so is danger. If I let you in, I may get hurt. I need to control and protect. And these are all ways we build a wall, we build fences. And of course, in our country, we have literally built walls to keep people out. You know, we, we so buy into the fear. You know, the most abundant country, the wealthiest country, the wealthiest country with all these resources and we are so fearful about caring for others, you know? So um, all of these walls we build, we, we need to kind of see and hold with love too because we've built them for good reasons. We've all been hurt, rejected, abandoned. Um, we haven't felt safe. We do have these stories and our history, but what we can begin to look at is what is history that we're dragging in a suitcase that's no longer necessary? What can we let go of? What is a wall? What's a fence? What doesn't need to be here anymore? What can I discard? What can I empty out so that this light of love, this force of love, can be more present in my life. So I think for this talk, 
I would like to point to three things for um, this change, this shift from anemic love to boundless love. One is lose the object. Whenever you feel your heart flutter and open in this radiance, let go of the object, let go of what's in front of you and sense and feel the love as your essential being coming from you. That's the love inherent in you. This is our natural state. Last night, I admit, I watched Tina the story of Tina Turner on HBO. My goodness. <laughs> I, thank you. I mean, thank you. Unbelievable. And my heart at the end of that was so radiant and full for this woman and her journey and her power. I mean, it's just like remarkable what she accomplished and worked through. And she said, she, 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 I must say, watch this on HBO if you can, because one of the things she said was, um, I had to work through the fact that I had so much abandonment and no experience of love to get to love, you know? But anyway, number one, lose the object. If you're looking at a beautiful rose or a flower, your grandchild, a little child playing, your dog, your cat, take a moment to drop the object and feel the essential quality of the love that's inside you as you. Recognize that love is not just about the object, it's about you and the quality of your heart. So lose the object. Read a great poem and then let the poem go and sit with a felt sense of the poem that's you. It's not the poem doing it, it's you doing it. So that's one, lose the object. Two is know what your fence is. Know what your wall is. Some of these walls and fences, they're there, they're old and they're rusty and they're falling apart and we don't even need them anymore. You know, we don't even need them. They're, they're archaic, they're old, they're from old stories and we can really let them go. And sometimes, you know, it, the landscape will look better if we can let them go. But first we have to know them. And that's where the mindfulness practice is, to be able to stay with and be aware and in loving kindness, loving presence, see an old rusty fence for what it is. Maybe I don't have to be so crusty and rejecting, defensive, pushing people away or pushing things away. Maybe I don't have to protect so much. What am I protecting anyway, right? To see what your old rusty fence is. It's amazing what comes up. I found one or two that are absolutely ridiculous in some way, you know, something old, something that's, that can go. Maybe it was true when I was, you know, when we were younger, but not true now. So break down that fence. But the third one, I think even more importantly, is we have to love the wall for the wall to dissolve. 
We have to respect that wall that we built because it got built for a good reason. We had to protect at some point. We had to protect this tender heart. You know, we had to protect this tender heart. So to love the fact that we built it in the first place and really stay with it in love. And it's that love of uh, what, what we've rejected. When we stop rejecting the parts of ourselves and turn towards love, these parts dissolve. to love that wall i can just hear i always hear reagan ronald reagan in my head whenever i get to the part of this talk when uh, there was a wall between um in berlin there was a wall right I, how many of us were alive when this wall was there right and, yeah Anne is raising her hand and so this wall separating um the two parts of berlin and one side was dem democratic and one side was communist and they couldn't see each other and uh ronald reagan's famous line was mr gorbachev tear down that wall <laughs> so every time i see this i'm in this talk you know i always hear ronald reagan going tear down the wall um, but yes, this wall came down and these two cities became one and, um, Berlin is an amazing city, right? You know, went through this, this wall came down. So the question is what wall can we take down to experience more love, to let love in? What wall can go, you know, and this is where the love meets the fear like that butterfly you know what web are we caught in so i will stop here take a breath or two and uh, we won't have the um breakout room but what we will have is a contemplation so you can Take a couple of breaths. You can even stand up and stretch a little if you like. And the, uh, the contemplation, take a couple of breaths, just breathe, move. And I will closing your eyes when you're ready. So what is your rusty fence? What fence have you built around the heart? What are you protecting? What blocks you from that radiant sun of unconditional love? What web are you caught in? 
what's sticky. And what are you ready to release? Like this beautiful monarch butterfly, you know? What are you ready to let go of? And if there's been a wall, guarding, maybe there are guards, maybe there's a wall, maybe there's even ammunition, who knows? Can we just sit with that wall, with that guard, with appreciation, caring, and love. Those walls are built with good reason. And walls can be torn down with good reason. And it's the unconditional nature that accepts it all. May all these parts of our being be loved, appreciated, cared for, and nurtured. May I experience the unconditional nature of a boundless heart inwardly, outwardly, above, below, all around. For may I and all beings experience unconditional love, boundless love, Boundless love radiating and multiplying, meeting the challenge of fear. So we, we have a couple of moments for questions and comments or anything anyone would like to share. Um, Wendy, uh, Richard has a picture of the Bolsachika wetlands that he would like to share. And we can wait till the end if that feels better and give people a chance to reflect on the talk, if that's okay with you. Sure, that okay. sounds good. I'll share it on the screen. Uh, you, want, you want me to wait till the end? Mm -hmm. Okay, sounds good.
yeah, I'd love to see the list of different words that you share terms or words or examples of love. I mean, there's a fairly long list of words that you were just um, sharing and that was pretty neat to be on the other end of. Okay, thanks, yes. I wanted to talk a little bit about the uh, Black Lives Matter. Um, and um, I had neighbors, you know, I live in Redondo Beach and uh, they had a little protest right across the street from my apartment. And, you know, it, you've got COVID raging. I'm 62 years old. I said, you know, I'm gonna, I'm definitely uh, trying to uh, isolate myself at home. But when I saw them out there, you know, maybe 10, 15 white people supporting my life, I immediately said, okay, <laughs> I'm not staying inside the house. I'm going out there. So I went out there with, with food and with drinks for them and, and uh, stayed out there all day. And, and uh, but it was just such a beautiful thing because, you know, Black people have, have uh, been abused in this country for so many years. And then to all of a sudden see such an outpouring of compassion um, was, it just filled my heart with, you know, this, this is a, a good world. This is a beautiful world. There's, there's racists out there, but there's, uh, there's more good people than there are bad people. And it was, uh, it was a wonderful experience to uh, be involved in some of the Black Lives Matter protests. Um, I also think that that um, our natural state is compassion. Um, we all sit. Someone once said, "If you sit and watch a movie, everybody roots for the good guy." You know, get up, get up, hit the bad guy. Uh, you know, don't let him do that to you. Don't let him push you around. You know, everybody wants to see the good guy win at the end of the movie. Uh, otherwise, we really, we want our money back. <laughs> it was not a good movie. So there's that in us, but we only become the bad guy when we have some type of attachment or aversion or, you know, there's a financial interest, uh, you know, that makes us turn into the bad guy. Otherwise, we all love the good guy. We all want to see the good guy succeed. And I think that is, is uh, always there within us. Thank you. I can do a share. Um, <clears throat> I really liked uh, your prompting of finding an object and releasing the object of love and finding, feeling the love within you. Yesterday at my apartment complex, there was an English bulldog who was just bursting with love, so much love, just like radiating out of this dog. And I'm just like playing with the dog and talking to the owner. And I'm just like, I need one of these. <laughs> and um, you're guiding us through that meditation. And I, like my smile was just coming through and I could feel the connection to just like that love and um. It was really strong when I, because I just had that experience with the dog the other uh, yesterday. Um, the other aspect 
of the talk that really hit home for me whenever you mentioned the third step is like recognize that the walls that were there um, were there for a reason and to love them. And, uh, and I needed that reminder. Um, and it just like opens my heart even more to be able to be okay with, we all have walls and, um, and to love them and to move past them. And that was really helpful and insightful for me. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Not to hog all the time, but you know, I'm a big mouth. Yeah. I think the walls are where the growth is. I think, you know, we have these, these objects and things we're attached to. And, and uh, I think it's, it's when we can be mindful of these objects and realize that we're bigger than whatever it is, then our, our mind gets bigger and bigger. We, we, we let go of the little objects and we experience big mind. We, we, you know, if it's a problem, the problem seems much smaller because our consciousness seems more spacious. And now whatever it is, seems like a very small pebble in, a, in the great big ocean or, and so I think we're always trying to let the walls down or, or expand our, our consciousness so that that uh, you know we're we're more and more of the one with the universe and less contracted. True. I just wanted to say I thought that, that was a magnificent talk. I even I even I couldn't I couldn't rip myself away from it to go to yoga this morning because it's beautiful. So thank you, Wendy. Really appreciate it. Oh thank you. That's that's all Good I have to say. <laughs> thank you. Good to see you. I'm done with my input. <laughs> Anyone else? I don't have anything else to say. I'm sorry. If somebody was waiting for me to say some more stuff. That's that's all I. Had. That's okay. Sense, so. Yes. Thank you. Okay. Who else would like to share? Yeah, I just wanted to uh, also say it was your talk was very timely today for me. Um, I am dealing with something right now about confronting the walls and letting the walls down, uh, a love situation. So it, it really brought it all to light for me and to understand the wall much better, why it's there, what the fear is regarding it. And you just kind of brought it all together for me on what I need to do. So I, your talks are always <laughs> pretty right on for me, but especially today. So thank you so much. You know, and, and I want to say um, when we're with that edge of the wall, it's so tender. It's so tender. The heart is so tender, so vulnerable. And um, we must, at that moment when we could sense and feel into that tenderness, that's where the compassion and the kindness lies. Like a, you know, like I, I want to say, um, one of uh, the Buddhist teachers that I love, his name is not coming to me. He calls it grandmother love, you know, like the gentle abuela, the gentle grandma that is so tender 
and kneels down and is really kind and soft. That's the way we need to be with these walls, with these edges, you know, real tender and loving. What, no, <laughs> we need to hear from somebody who hasn't shared. <laughs> and one of you who haven't shared needs to come and share. Yes, and then we can hear from Anthony again. Yeah. Who hasn't shared? I was, yeah. I was, I've been, I was thinking about that, what you said about, you know, um, what walls have you built from old stories? Because that's, that's such a, such a powerful question uh, to think about. Um, because there's so much of like, well, so it makes me think about how much like identity we put around certain things. Like, oh, I don't like these people. Oh, this, this is my, these aren't, these aren't my people. I don't, I don't care. I don't care for these people. And then like, and then it kind of like after years and years and years go by, you have to ask yourself like, well, why did I, why did I put up that? Why am I thinking about that? Why is that the way that things are? And then, and then like, you feel like you are making a certain person for your friends. Like you are, you know, it's, it's, a, it's an interesting, I just thought it was a very interesting thing to think about. So I thank you for it. I don't know thank if I you. have any insights to it. I just wanted to say that it's a good thing to think about. Well, you know, what you're bringing up is how um, important it is to notice the walls we put up with preferences. You know, I don't like those people because. Yeah. I'm going to judge that person because. That's a wall. The wall is a preference, you know, just to see that that it has a limiting aspect mm -hmm. that we get caught there and that it's human to do that. Uh, yeah, I, I saw a movie a couple of nights ago that I had a line in it that I feel like also really expresses um, this notion of walls and what we do to limit, limit ourselves. But the, the movie was called The Perks of Being a Wallflower. And the line was, we we get the love we think we deserve. Yeah, it's a great movie. That's a great line. Yeah. yeah. And then I have a short poem I'd like to share, but I think it I think it would go really nicely with Richard's Bolsa Chica picture. So I'll I'll Let's wait. Do I'll, it. I'll wait on that. Okay. Okay. So what do we do? The poem and then the image of the. Um, I'll do. I'll do Richard? the. I'll do the image, and if okay. Richard wants to say anything about the image, um, give him a chance to say. All right. So, can you guys see my screen? Yes. Ah, beautiful. Okay. And, Richard, did you want to say anything? I can't see you on the screen right now. Thanks, Don. Um, yeah, I just love Pulse Chico Wetlands, and thanks mm -hmm. for bringing it home. Uh, the, uh, the how much has gone into making this available, I, I it's really is a treasure. And um, I have, you know, this night, I mean, I had some really good photographs of you, and just love the images there and being there and all that wild. I mean, there's a, there's, it's great to be around. That's it for me. Yes. 
Thank you, Richard. We, we, again, we've taken our, our mindful walks there in the past and hope something to hope we can do again. Don, did you want to read your poem? Yeah, so uh, seeing this image made me think of a, a poem I wrote a few years ago. I guess you could call it a haiku. It's pretty short. But it's, look at this love arisen in the world. Neither you nor I, nor other, nor it, only thou. Thank you. Beautiful. Goes well. Thank you. On that sweet note, parting is sweet, Zara, for with all of you. It's been great to be here. I've enjoyed every minute of all of you and our time together. And holding this beautiful world, this beautiful earth that needs our love, our boundless love, and um, our beautiful heart its care and all its being, all the beings, seen and unseen, known, unknown, all sentient beings, may all beings be safe, happy, free of harm. May all beings know boundless love, unconditional love. May all beings be free of suffering. You have just listened to a recording from Insight LA in Long Beach. For more information, please visit us at insightla.org.